0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Measure the truth Talk radio (laughs) Yeah Now those other stations out there They always got something to say But uh Not this station right here We don't just got something to say y'all
2: Welcome Truth Seekers, you're listening to a Measure of Truth on BlogtalkRadio.com and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on BlogtalkRadio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio. And you can always email me your questions and comments at ameasureoftruth at gmail.com. Look, we've got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Jennifer Streets is a financial services attorney in Washington, D.C. and has acquired over a decade of finance investment management and securities experience. She entered the financial industry as an analyst with the National Association of Security Dealers. There, she was on the front lines of front-page development such as insider trading and market manipulation. She continued her career in the financial sector as a legal counsel in both the securities and banking industries, where she interfaced with securities and exchange commissions and developed financial and ethics programs to protect the investor. She was also appointed to the President's Commission on the Postal Service, where she vetted corporate governance and financial matters. Currently, she has focused her career on financial literacy and financial management. Jennifer Streaks is a financial contributor for WUSA 9's Mind Over Money financial news program, and she has developed programs that teach basic financial strategies for the everyday person and is busy writing a book entitled Digging Your Dreams Out of Debt. The book focuses on basic financial management and also addresses credit issues, home buying and investing, and avoiding financial pitfalls. Jennifer Streaks, thank you for joining us on A Measure of Truth.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, well, I'm just so happy you could join us and uh, may have to update your um, intro a little bit. Did I miss anything?
3: No, I' just I've transitioned from the legal field into just total financial services and being a financial expert. I've been able to contribute and commentate on social and economic issues on WSA9 as well as cable shows like MSNBC. So it's really taken off because unfortunately, the economy is in such a bad economic downturn.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I believe that's what we actually talked about when we first had you on the show. So um, recently you've been following the Occupy Wall Street and the Occupy movement itself. And uh, tell us a little bit about what your findings are.
3: What I'm finding is just that this movement is just resistance against economic inequality. It is Main Street versus Wall Street. You have so many of the Wall Street CEOs, banking CEOs that are still making millions and millions of dollars, whereas you have the average consumer, average American that can't even afford health insurance. The unemployment rate is over 9%. There are also the long-term unemployed. And it's just a movement that's saying enough is enough. We have to start thinking about how these decisions impact The entire country, not just the top 1% that are rich and getting richer, but there need to be programs in place and allowed to remain in place that also help that bottom 99%, if you can believe it. But yes, the bottom 99% that don't have the quick access to jobs, health care, retirement, and things that we thought were just a natural part of living in the United States.
2: Right and you know it seems like the the dream has been um dropped for a lot of folks and um mm-hmm. just a few now hold it and they're holding the purse string so tight now you you kind of wonder why does why does someone need so much money
3: Exactly i how much how much is enough when is it enough and why is there such an i would almost say an unwillingness to share i have i just couldn't imagine if i were a billionaire that I wouldn't want to pay more in taxes, wouldn't want to contribute to social programs for health care, wouldn't want to see about having my company, you know, maybe hire more or investing in programs that help small businesses hire more so that everyone can get a leg up. When we all are doing better, I mean, it's advantageous for everyone to do okay, not just for a certain percentage to do well above what everyone else is doing. You
2: know, it's interesting, too, because... The the system itself has a number of different flaws that, that help people to become um, this wealthy and also avoid paying their fair share. Tell us a little bit about some of these systems in place that, that allow them to be able to um, continue to avoid paying taxes at the same level that we would.
3: Well, what it is is it's tax loopholes that allow someone who is of a certain economic status maybe to run all of their expenses or all of their... Uh, income through a business so that they don't pay the same amount in taxes as you or I. All of our income is put in our name. You have millionaires that live in certain or have addresses in certain states because they have lower income tax requirements or they run all their expenses through another name or another company or another entity. So all of these are tax loopholes that the regular person, the average person cannot take advantage of because you don't have, you're not the CEO of a company where you can say all of my travel, my car service, my gym membership, my income is going through this company. So I'm going to let the company bear most of the brunt of the taxes.
2: And how is it that the small businessman is not afforded these same opportunities? Because it seems like the structure should be set up so that we should all benefit.
3: The small business owner is the person that's getting squeezed the most because they have a small company where it might be 10, 15, 20, 30 employees to even get in the game. It's almost as though they have to front so much money. They have to put in so much up front that a lot of times it means that they can't sustain the business or it just wipes them out financially. And Also, in terms of the type of business, if you're a government contractor If you deal in the service industry, you may not be afforded the same types of tax benefits because there's so much of an upfront fee that's required, so much of an upfront buy-in that's required that it wipes out a lot of small businesses and it prevents them from hiring.
2: Right, right. So there's sort of a bardic. Once you're above that, you can actually manipulate the system in this way, and yeah. um for those who are just starting out and just pursuing the American Dream are squeezed out of this, so there's this um this a wealth gap just in business itself mm-hmm. in corporations and Correct. um this is a system that is broken, and uh, we need to find a way to be able to um, address these issues without just creating another loophole for someone else down the road.
3: That's right, I would totally agree with that.
2: Well, what are some of the regulations that would possibly, if fixed, because I'm sure at some point these things were in place, but then somehow they became broken by mismanagement or just because they were manipulated until they really no longer existed?
3: Well, that's what's happened with the small business owner. And understand, I really think that the economy is going to rise on the back of the small business owner. And the reason why I say that, is because there's, they always have a need, whether it's a receptionist, whether it's a bookkeeper, uh, some sort of skilled labor, or even unskilled labor, the small business owner always has a need. A major corporation, they, they're pretty much set. They have one worker that's doing two and three jobs. They're paying them, you know, this high salary as, long, as well as benefits, and they will make people, in terms of keeping a job, do two and three jobs at the same time. Whereas the small business owner will really need its workers, if they get a government contract or some sort of work assignment, they need to hire on the spot to fulfill that obligation. So the small business owner is really in a position to hire and bring down this unemployment rate. So what needs to happen is that there needs to be incentives for them to hire, to be able to hire. They get incentives for how many workers they you know, actually place into the workforce breaks on taxes, breaks if they reside in a certain community. All of this stuff really needs to be brought to the forefront. If you're in a desolate community or an area that the unemployment rate might be higher, like in Southeast D.C., they say the unemployment rate is about 16%, whereas the national rate is at 9%. If you have a business that resides in Southeast D.C. and you put to work three or four or five people, you should get some sort of a tax break because of that because you putting together or putting four people to work is much higher in terms of the benefit than any taxes that you would pay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's it's insane because of the fact is that as you said, the small businesses will hire more people, will bring up the mm-hmm. economy and will keep that revenue Stream localized in the community as well, and and this is what we really need to be able to Mm -hmm. jumpstart our economy. But somehow it's being overlooked. So that takes us back to this this occupy movement. How is it addressing some of these um, real needs, or are people just really out there saying what's wrong without looking at uh, a possible remedy for it? So, what have you heard?
3: What I think the occupy movement is doing is it's bringing these issues to the forefront. Even if you look at the news right now, we're so focused on the Republican, the potential Republican candidates, and, you know, Herman Cain and, you know, these individuals that have come out and said that he sexually harassed them. And that it's really easy to sort of take the focus off of what is important. What is important right now is reducing the unemployment rate, putting more money in the hands of, the average consumer, so that they can spend more money, which gets our economy going, getting incentives into the hands of the small business owners so that they can hire and bring benefit to the community. All of this talk, all of these uh, these other conversations that are being had about, you know, who's doing this and who's doing who, and I think the Occupy movement helps keep the issues on the forefront, keeps it in the view of the American public so we continue to realize what is important. Because if you look at the news, it's really easy to forget about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. But um, one thing about the Occupy movement in many areas is sort of sort of coming unraveled, um, mm-hmm.
1: coming apart mm-hmm. at
2: the seams in many places for a number of reasons because of um, unsanitary conditions, um, violence, um, mm-hmm. you know, a number of different things are occurring. So, you know, it brings me to the point that, you know, I'm wondering where the structure in the organization is in this that could help it to succeed or at least sustain itself. I'm wondering whether or not these things are actually in place to to get this movement, um, well, to keep the movement going so that it may have an impact.
3: Well, I'm thinking that just like with any structure, if it gets too big, it starts to unravel, it gets unwieldy. And I think that this organization, Occupy Wall Street, came together based in frustration, certainly, and wanting to address certain issues, but maybe they don't have the structure in place to keep it moving. No one thought about, you know, sanitary conditions, safety, uh, making – who who's going to be there staying overnight or, you know, making sure that maybe there are procedures in place to say you can't bring guns onto the premises, you can't bring alcohol onto the premises to keep everything sort of clean and keep the focus there, But I think that now that, you know, they've had some incidents, if they want to keep it going, they'll definitely start putting more of a structure around it.
2: Well, I want you to just hang in there for a minute. And we're going to bring on also someone else to um, talk about um, this situation and the financial um, situation that we see it right now at large in America. And um, we'll just bring him on at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. With the economy and the state of the middle class dominating most national conversations, Aaron Smith's accessible nine-step plan to take control of your financial future will resonate whether you're just starting out or you find yourself midlife with concerns about your retirement. Aaron Smith, author of In the Black, Live Faithfully, Prosper Financially even in today's economy, will help transform the way you think about retirement and financial planning. But today, for some right-now answers highlighted by A Measure of Truth, we bring you Aaron Smith. Welcome back to A Measure of Truth.
4: Hey, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you having me once again. I'm glad to be a part of your show.
2: Well, you know, we we sort of just tapped into um exactly where you are because there are people in dire straits now and um things have actually gotten worse since the last time we spoke with you. Um how how is it that people can actually manage or hope to recover from the current economic crisis that we're in?
4: Well, Michael, it's all about increasing uh, your financial IQ. We all have to uh have a foundation uh of understanding how to to understand money at his basics at his uh, basic level, uh, for example, uh, you know, in my in my family, my parents didn't teach me uh, about finances. They taught me uh, and, and told my brothers and, and, and promised us that as long as as Aaron and uh, you you study hard, you you go to school, uh, you get your degree, that everything is going to be all right. You're going to be financially okay. And what we're finding out today. Uh, and many uh, occupiers right now, the Wall Street and many other places around the country, they're finding out right now that, hold on for a second, Michael, maybe we've been had. Maybe there's something that's mm-hmm. not too true about that story. Right. So it's, it's about now increasing your financial IQ and then finding a way as, a, as an individual, uh, to, despite what the politicians are saying, it's, uh, right now you have to find a way to win, find a way to be able to create wealth and opportunities for yourself and your family.
2: Yeah, and when we find ourselves now, too, um, a lot of people have um, moved back in with parents, families have consolidated now. Um, There needs to be a plan in place also for these folks to get back on their feet, regardless of whether or not things will change. And um, hopefully, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, down the road. One of the major crises that I want to talk about as well that's going on right now is with our young people and the cost of education and student loans. It's really just um, modern day slavery. It's really just taking young people and it's saying, if you want this education, this is what it's going to cost you. The only way to get it are these loans that are going to crush them in the future. Talk a little bit about that, Jennifer, and then I'd like for you to also follow up on that as well, Aaron.
3: Well, that's absolutely right. Uh, a lot of these students that are graduating from student loans cannot find employment. So they are $100,000 in debt, and actually the student loan uh, individuals, they want payments six months after graduation. That's when Sally mm. Mae and most of the student loan providers want payments to start. There is no way you're going to find a job in six months in this economy, especially as a new worker. You're basically unskilled. You have a college degree, which means you have the ability to learn and be taught, but you have not acquired a skill as of yet. So there's no way you're going to find a job more than likely in this economy. We have read that a lot of new graduates, they're defaulting on their student loans and also filing bankruptcy. We've heard of law students that graduate from law school hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and they're suing the law school because they're stating that basically there wasn't truth in lending, and that mm. they were they were promised a bill of goods. You're going to come out. You're going to be this attorney. You're going to make all this money, and that simply is not the case. So it is unfortunate. I would definitely say that in terms of your education, you need to find another way to do it. As many scholarships, grants, work study as you can get. If you need to pair community community college with for two years before you go into a university, that's fine. I definitely am, you know, supporting education
1: 100%,
3: but in terms of the financial burden that comes with that, we've got to rethink the formula.
2: And, Aaron, what's your take on that?
4: Oh, man, she said it perfectly. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm going through it right now, and I have a daughter who's 17 years old, about to graduate from school, starting to visit universities. And one of the things that we've talked about is it's absolutely necessary that if we're going to spend this type of money for her to go to school, Mm -hmm. that she's going to double major. She's going to get two for one. So Mm -hmm. while we're there, Mm -hmm. an emphasis on getting two for one, we want to make sure that we maximize uh, the opportunity with the dollars we're spending. But Mm -hmm. also, uh, Michael, what I think is so important is that it's important to understand that maybe you also decide maybe I should just, uh, go go to school and get a trade maybe I can get maybe I need to go to school and learn something that I can effectively right now uh, mm-hmm. uh take away from school and start to work and start to make money um, you know we talk a lot you know in my business in the business that I am in uh a lot of individuals are entrepreneurs, and we have to start thinking a little bit more along the lines of creating your own. Uh, Jennifer mentioned a little while ago about the fact that there were small businesses out there who are going to be the catalyst of the the turn of this uh, this economic tsunami that we're in. And uh, one way you're going to be able to do that is to start to create your own ideas, create what, what is it that you do well, what is it that you do uh, do very well, and what's your skill set? And you have to be able to put your, your ideas around it and come up with ideas other than just the traditional go to school, take out loans, uh, you know, do my four to six, seven years of education and then hope and pray. Those days
2: are behind us. Right, right. And the, the structure of our parents has disappeared. You know, um from way back when we where you could just take that advice and just run with it and know you would be okay if you just stuck to the plan. That has disappeared. So you really have to be creative and innovative and um the two for one strategy I think is just it's it's fantastic and because of the fact that it actually puts you in two skill sets, but the other thing is is you're maximizing again the time that you are in college to be able to make the most of it. And that is definitely have to be the most cost effective way to go as well, if you were to take these separately, of course it would take you um a lot more time and money as well. Absolutely.
4: Right. Two for one. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, so let's just ask the question because I'm really curious about this. So your your daughter's situation, her double major, is based on what two um, disciplines?
4: Well, she's she's going to study communications, and she's going to also go into – excuse me, she's also um, doing pre-med. And the idea behind what she's doing also has to do with the fact that she – is also thinking of, of entrepreneurship as an opportunity when she comes out of school. One of the things that we do with my my children and many other children that we we, uh, we work with is we mm-hmm. teach them early on. Uh, you know, I've been teaching my son since he was five years old the understanding of money and how money works. We talk mm-hmm. about the financial issues that are happening in the country. We talk about how politically Uh, uh, this country uh, operates and how it's affected uh, uh, the the money supply and the the money opportunities in in this country. But what we do is we educate on a weekly basis. We do have a study group, my children and I have a study group, on the basics of understanding how money works and how it's important that you understand every aspect of our economy, not only here locally, uh, not not only around the country, but also globally. But we... We put that foundation there, and I will tell you, Michael, my, you know, where where my daughter is, is a little bit challenged by that because she's a, you know, she's of a different breed. She likes to spend. Uh, she doesn't care too much about the economics and, and financial planning. But where my son, uh, who's 13 years old, my gosh, he's taking this thing and run with it. So you know, at the end of the day, we have to educate our children early, and often as it relates to as it relates to money.
2: Wow! Wow! You 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 really got some great concepts. I'm just going to call that planting the seed of wealth, and that's just phenomenal to teach them that young. Um, You know, you really ought to uh, in your next book, um, you know, share that with um, folks how you talk to young people about money because, you know, most of us think it's over their head. I mean, for the (laughs) most part, you know, we can. It's a
4: foreign language, right, Michael? Yeah. Yeah and that 's one thing that we are doing in our next book we 're going to talk about how to reposition your mind and 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 that 's mostly it it you know how to really understand money as it relates to uh fear how it relates to uh, uh your emotions and how to take uh, take that, that those emotions as it relates to money and reposition your mind. Uh, based on what you've been taught about money, but not only repossession your mind. you know, Michael, we work with many, many individuals and small businesses on managing their, their assets, and it's really about repositioning your money. Today you have to reposition your money a lot different than how we repossession our money in the past. It's totally different, and you have to go at it uh, really aggressively and understand how to okay. do it, but you also have to get counseling. And counseling is very, very important for you to help you reach your goals financially as we, uh, you know, try to get through this, uh, once again, this economic tsunami that we're going through.
2: Right. And for a lot of people who are digging themselves out of debt, they have to realize as long as you have a stream of income coming in, there is a possibility for you resolving your situation regardless of what it is. That's true. Yeah, and um, you just have to have hope. You know, I'm going to ask you guys a a kind of an awkward, odd question, but let's just look at it. In a perfect world, if this Occupy movement could resolve some real issues out there, what would be the most important issues that could be resolved to help this economy get back on track?
3: I would say that incentivizing uh, small businesses and really – trying to put some sort of financial insulation around the small business owner would be great because there are so many instances where in these major corporations people have been laid off because of duplicative work roles. When you have a major corporation that has thousands of employees, as soon as, there any, as there's any sort of economic issue, they start slashing the employee roles. Whereas with a small business, if you're there, it's because your skill set is really needed there because they can't afford to hire more than one person to do the same job. So when you have a small business owner that's hiring, he's hiring and looking to the long term. So you have someone who's going to have a job, health care, and retirement for the long term, and that helps us all.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Aaron, what do you think? It, what yeah, would really? I, I
3: think Michael. I, I think there are two
4: things um, actually. Mm-hmm. And one is is actually in action right now, as of uh, as of uh, next year, January. Uh, there's there are currently seventy two million uh, participants who who have a four hundred one k plan or a four hundred one k like plan in this country.
2: Mm-hmm. And one of the
4: things that's happening right now with the Department of Labor is that they are now going to disclose its full disclosure, Michael, of the fees that you pay inside of your 401K plan. where Before, that did not have to be disclosed. So that, in my opinion, uh, is going to be huge. It's going to be an opportunity for uh, participants or consumers to start to educate themselves about these plans. I mean, I know in my practice, Many of the uh, consumers and individuals we sit down with, they have a 401K plan, but they think it's for free. They think there's no cost mm-hmm. with it. So right now, that is something that's really, really big, and I really love that. I, I really love that they're they're going to start to disclose these fees and these plans. I think the second thing is I am one of those guys, uh, one of those people who really believe and you got to, you know, you got to work hard, and if you work hard and 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 smart, uh, good things are going to happen. However, what I am, what I think needs to happen initially right now is that uh, people, people have have felt Michael that they have been due. They feel that Wall Street bankers, the top percent, have gotten all the breaks. And the middle class hasn't gotten any breaks. How you how do you solve that, that that concern? I think one of the things that really needs to happen, whether you whether you're a high income earner, whether you're a, a low income earner, the price and the value of your property, your home that you live in, has gone down. Everything mm-hmm. one of the person's property has gone down. So. I think there needs to be an initiative put in place to bring people back home in terms of their mortgages. And if you're able to bring them back home, that's going to be a catalyst for spending in our country. As long as our housing market stays in the dumps, as long as I feel that I've been duped, that I did all the right things, and, and now I have lost value in my home. Uh, that's not a good feeling. There has to be a way to solve that issue, and it's not a handout. It's a make-up, and you did it for Wall Street. Why aren't exactly. you doing it for Main Street? And that's, you know. And, and that's the feeling that – that's the thing that I think initially needs to happen to start to catalyst this opportunity because people are really feeling down, and they don't have any confidence at this point.
2: Now, is it necessary that we right the wrongs of these bailouts starting way back when with AIG? And I mean, we never really heard of that before, and then it just kept happening. Um, are there should there be investigations? Can we actually benefit from that, from disclosure of what happened and where the money went?
3: Oh yeah, I definitely think that there should be disclosure because then we know how to make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, I think right now what the country is suffering is that there is a Main Street versus Wall Street attitude. You bailed out all of these banks, just like Aaron was saying, and you still have millions of foreclosures on the books, millions of foreclosures waiting to happen. You have banks that are threatening to charge you to use your own money by fees through the debit card. And, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. So Main Street feels like it is just being ridden over roughshod, I would definitely think that an investigation into what happened, what happened to the money, why did we give all this TARP money to these banks and it wasn't used for the benefit of the community, all these different questions need to be answered so that going forward we're not in this mess again in another 20 years.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, it's hard for me to believe, though, that, Laws and rules were not broken from the very beginning that allow this to happen that are not being addressed as well. And um, this is something that we really have to take a close look at because um, in the last decade, our financial industry, which used to have very strict regulations that were adhered to and followed for the most part, unless – and if, it, if they weren't, there was a big scandal. But now there are so many of these out there, you don't even know which one to pay attention to. hmm
4: well, yeah, boy, that's I, fair. I, yeah, yeah. And then I would say this uh, if if you will, um Michael, I mean, if come on, if you or you if you or I drove up and down up, up and down 95, Interstate 95, and we did it at 85 95 miles per hour at some point, and it won't be long in the future that the Virginia State Police are going to they're going to stop you. And when they stop you, they're going to give you a ticket. We've been speeding in this country at 100 miles per hour in terms of our economy, of the finance financial uh, mess up, destruction of this country. and guess what? America, Main Street feels that they has not been given a ticket. Right. that's the part right. of what we 're doing with emotionally, that
1: mm-hmm.
4: someone or many have gotten away with the gold, and no one was watching or protecting the American people. That's what the Occupy Wall Street, in my opinion, is about. It's about regulation not working or the lack of, and that's what we're dealing with, and we have to get a handle on that. So I do believe that individuals should pay for their action, and they should. Also, Michael, they should be paraded across these TV screen on CNN and others alike And I think that's going to bring some comfort to the American people. Hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, it will bring some comfort. Um, And we seem to have an appetite for scandal nowadays. But how important do you think that resolving this issue with some real answers um, will have um, an importance in the candidate we choose as our president in the up-and-coming election?
3: Hmm, that's a good question. I think that it would restore confidence, in the, you know, with the American public, and I think that's very important. I mean, if, if you know, consumers feel like banks and bank presidents and CEOs and um, heavy hitters in the financial industry got away with something under your watch, I mean, why should we elect you or reelect you or – place any confidence that you're going to have our best interests at heart. So I think no, I'm just going to put it
2: out there, though. So what would this candidate's platform look like? What would it have to be? What would the what would America hear that would make them say, yeah, now, now I get that. You make sense to me. Let's get this guy in here so he can do what he thinks will work.
4: I think it's, Michael, impossible. Hmm. Sorry to say that. Yeah. I think it's impossible. It's going to have to lie with your own personal situation, your home, to now begin to start to protect your family. I'm Mm. not telling people it's not important to go out and vote for the person you feel is going to get the job done. But guess what? We have done that, and we've continued to do that, and we still have the situation that we're in. The solution, in my opinion, is that each individual has to take a hard look at themselves, and they're going to have to restructure. They're going to have to reposition their mind, their money, and they're going to have to start to get involved in their own financial success, their own way of creating a cash flow that's going to allow them to be successful. And we we pray and we hope that... America decides to vote in the right person or the right people to help with this endeavor. But at this point, I don't have a lot of confidence in the political uh, atmosphere to take care of such such a tough solution. Look at what we're going through now. Look at the gridlock that we have right now. And if I am starving right now, I can't continue to wait. I'm dying. And it's continuously... People are potentially buying, and the politicians are saying, "We go at our pace, we do it our way. I don't have any faith at this point with the
2: politicians mm. Mm. Wow, you know that's what I was looking for, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, because a lot of times that we want to buy into that, we want to believe that, and um we want to believe what the candidates say, but I think that this time around it's outside of that it would take so much time Um, I I read an article and um, I I forgot who wrote it but it was from a UK paper Uh, and this guy seems to think that trade is going to turn back around for America and we'll be back on top in the next five years Um, one of the problems is is um, take for instance China and not respecting um, patents and trademarks and things like that so a lot of industries are pulling back away where they've had cheap labor in the past from um, China so with these things changing, there could be this catalyst that may turn our economy around in a jolt. Well, what do you okay. think of that? Can I Can I
4: take that one, Jennifer? Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I I, agree, I I sort of agree with this. I think that we're going to have a a really uh, phenomenal boom in this country. That's not, the, that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is everybody going to participate in it?
2: Exactly. Mm.
4: Th- that, that's my concern. I'm not concerned mm-hmm. whether America is going to return to its greatness. It's always done that. If yes. we historically go back and look at the recession, the Great Recession that we're going through now, i.e. the, the Great Depression, we've always recovered. That's not my concern. I want to know whether my mother, whether my father, my cousin, my uncle, my colleague, my friends are going to be able to make it through this and be also successful financially with the other 1% of Americans who are building the wealth. So I don't have any doubt that this country is going to be successful. Now, there is a, a difference that we have now. We are in the information age now. Mm-hmm. And because okay. we're in an information age, there's a lot of thought, and it's different now. Pensions are are, are not like they used to be; they are being reduced. Social Security is being challenged. Medicare is being challenged. That's what the politicians are up against right now. How to decide? How do we control our spending? Should it be done in tax reduction? Should it be done in entitlement reduction? So it's it's not whether the country is going to return to its its greatness, it will, it's whether we are all going to play in it. That's
3: my concern. That's right. Hmm. I would definitely Uh, agree with that. I I would definitely agree with that. I think that it is, are we all going to be able to participate all 100% in some way, shape, or form, not just the rich getting richer?
2: Yeah, and it's and it's this, and this a shame too because of the mindset of young people now, especially those who have watched their parents suffer through um losing a home and going through bankruptcy. They may have the wrong idea about finances, about owning a home. And there there needs to be education in place to repair that mentality as well, to help people see um the right way of going about building wealth. I mean, if you don't own property, you never will be wealthy. I, I don't know how you could possibly do it. So, um, you know, those are very important factors, too, in the way our young people are, are being sort of corralled into this, this new future that um, is pretty much on toothpicks right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly true. I don't hear of a lot of young people saying that they want to go to college anymore i mean those of us that grew up with the cosby generation we all wanted to go to college and get a master's degree and do this that and the other sort of along that line you know sort of climb the ladder because that was the way to success climb the ladder to success but these new the new you know generation that's coming along they're seeing that cash is king and they're trying to figure out the quickest way to make it so And I worry about this generation because that's true. If you don't own property, that's the foundation really for wealth. You start off with your first place, and you build and you build and you build, and assets sort of derive from that. So it is going to be hard for this generation to sort of refocus what they see in terms of finances and the best way to build finances because they are coming into or coming out of a bad economic downturn that says that you may not own a house, you may not do as well as your parents.
2: And, Erin, I know you have something to say about that. Oh, they're
4: scared,
3: man. They're scared. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are
4: scared to death. They're scared. Their parents mm-hmm. are terrified. They're terrified. They're hearing mm-hmm. all the horror stories that's happening in their own household. And then you mm-hmm. couple that with what they hear in the media. Nobody, right. Michael, is talking about anything positive. Right. Right. No one is talking about anything positive. It's all doom and gloom.
1: Right. And
4: I tell my kids when I teach them, this is the greatest opportunity in the world to become wealthy. Right mm-hmm. now, today is the time. But we're not telling our kids there. We're telling our kids it's bad. So they're saying, oh, my gosh, I don't want to put mom and dad in any more financial strains. I can't go to college and ask them to participate. They're already going through it. Mm-hmm. Even if they are doing financially well, Michael, they still are saying, I don't want that opportunity where it may, may be negatively affecting my parents and maybe I'll you know, stand off a little bit. Maybe owning a home is not all that great. I'm hearing about all this value, following, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, man, we got to start talking positive to our kids. We have to start talking positive to our colleagues and our friends about the importance of opportunities in this country that lie here today. And the ultra-rich, they want you to talk that way. They want you to think that way. Why? Because they know of the opportunity that lies right here in front of us today.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And and those who are not afraid will transition into this very smoothly. Um, Take advantage. Build wealth by purchasing property or investing in other ways and be able to succeed based on this, you know, uptick and be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. have money to be able to do so many other things and take advantage. I have
4: clients who are well to do. I have some that are, that are okay financially. You know what? I am finding some of these clients that I have that are, are they're okay. They're doing financially okay. You know, right now, some of them are taking the bull by the horns. They're going Hmm. out, they're, they're, getting themselves involved in franchises, they're, mm. they're going out and they're saying, hey, I got a job, but I don't feel comfortable with this job I've been on for 25 years. I'm going to now, Aaron, how do I start my own business? I'm looking to do this. I'm looking to do that. And I'm telling you, they are being successful because they have a mentality of being uh, motivated. They're not sitting there listening to all the negative that's happening in this country right now.
2: Right no that's that's just great and um and there are other ways also besides real estate to make money and um you are well versed in that and um we would love to have you come back on again as well as you jennifer we We need to revisit this subject as um things transition as we get closer to the election as well. And um, as things start to shake out, too, with this Occupy movement, because um, now that the winter's coming, um, I think that they may lose a little traction. We'll just have to see how this all shakes out in the end. But these are issues that we really need to to keep in the forefront, and um, people need to to join the discussion on this and understand what their role is and what their opportunities are as well.
1: That's right. I agree.
2: And... um, I just want to give you guys each a chance to close out before we move forward, but um, we've only got about 15 minutes left in the show. Um, Jennifer, is there anything you want to say to close out this topic?
3: Yeah, I would just say that, you know, I agree with Aaron in that there are so many financial opportunities out there now, Um, a lot of housing you can get cheaply, but I think the most important thing is, you know, creating a financial backup plan, sort of refocusing your your eye, your eyes on finance, and the way that you financially insulate yourself, and also making sure that we look at why this happened this time, because if not, we're going to repeat it again, you know. And so we have to make sure that we take advantage of the lesson and really look at our finances differently. And also, you can feel free to follow me on at jstreaks at twitter dot com.
2: Oh, okay. And, and where else can um, they hear from you, Jennifer?
3: Also on WUSA9.com and my Facebook page as well, Jennifer Streak. So I'm always giving up-to-the-minute finance and economic information that you can use.
2: Mm, great. And how's that book coming along?
3: It is coming along. I mean, it is, you know, writing a book is a serious undertaking, especially oh, yeah. when you're dealing with finance information. And my book is really geared towards the everyday consumer you know, savings and retirement, the right way to buy a house, how to buy a home without going into, you know, serious debt, double-digit interest rates, and that sort of thing. The best way to use credit cards, even couponing, you know, we might need to get back, you know, to that as well. So definitely look out for it in 2012.
2: All right. Thank you very much. And, Aaron, tell us what you're up to.
4: Oh, wow. You know, I do my um – um I, I do my show every Tuesday, 11 a.m., WOL, um, uh, 1450 a.m. Uh, it's a it's a money show. It's, it's about helping people increase their financial IQ. That's what it's all about. Um, I am in the process of doing my second book, uh, Reposition Your Mind and Your Money, and uh, hopefully we'll have that completed in, uh, gosh, maybe in about the next six six or seven months, give or take, and, and that'll be out on the shelves. Uh, but pretty much at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, we 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 help individuals individually. We we see what they go through. We hear their we hear their stories. We 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 feel their their tears. And what I would say, uh, uh, Michael, uh, pretty much for to your listeners, is uh, to, today is treacherous. It's treacherous mm-hmm. as it relates to your money. And I encourage every uh, person who's listening or tuning in uh, to this show. Is that they find a money mentor? If they don't have a, if they don't have the wherewithal to go out and hire a financial advisor, a an expert that they can trust and feel confident with, that's going to help them get the job job done. find a money mentor, somebody that they can speak with that can help them, because if you're making the wrong moves today, it's you can't correct it. It's it's just so treacherous. So I would encourage everyone who is. Is building wealth, who's, who's planning their their best years of their life, which is their retirement, uh, that they uh, that they get the the help that they need, especially especially if they're not capable of doing it themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, people need not live in fear. Um, you have to act, and um, you have to put pride aside very early in the game to be able to get the help you need before um, the crisis erupts. So um, I, I'm, you know, some of you out there, you, you're still thinking that maybe you can get a handle on things, and you're wishing on a prayer. But um, the time is now to seek help. And um, I don't know if you put your contact information out there as well, Aaron, if you could.
4: Yeah, you can reach me at uh, our website is www.intheblackretirement.com. Once again, that's intheblackretirement.com, and you will uh, be able to get all of my contact information off our off our website.
2: All right, great. I mean, this has been (laughs) an extremely informative show. Um, I expect a lot of comments from listeners, and um, I'll be sure to forward some of those to you guys because it will probably be over my head for sure. But uh, (laughs) I really appreciate you guys coming um, and joining the show, and, um, yeah, I really like this segment. We'll have to have you guys back on as a pair (laughs) in the near future as well as this thing progresses. Definitely. Absolutely,
4: okay. anytime.
2: God bless you, Michael. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you both. Well, here's a little something from someone who's taken a, a transition in their life uh, a former Philadelphia district attorney turned poet, Mia, with lawyers and a scribe. Oh.
0: Attorney, I yeah, heck yeah, that's me. Educated in this here society, temple bred and spiritually fed in Philly, yeah, Philly, Philly y'all, temple bread. There I was led to start my journey for the truth. You see, I went to the temple for the truth, symbolically, literally. Angel, she was, opened my eyes to the process, legal process of this justice system on my back. There they stood with their lack of truth precedent. A lie that sent us back to jail. Truth to derail. But you didn't follow what you call precedent. You just went your own bent lies. Dictum. Latin for lying. thumb. differentiate between dictum and holding to hold on to your lack of precedent. No man-made exam can test. God's advocacy is the best. Justice, there is no justice, no balance, and no chance. Yes, this little black girl, Chester Pearl, just south of Philly, girl, a country Philly Pearl from your so called ghetto. Yeah, little skinny black girl, Chester Pearl. And I'll say it out loud, Chester, and I'm proud, got your knowledge of your ways. When I praise your ways, when I glaze the truth, see. Your founding father landed his foot on that town, trying not to frown. That was the ground that bred me, and that is why I see the history of the place from where I be. To shame for so many years through the tears of where I'm from, because you turned where I'm from, the town from which you come. The town from which you came, the town in which Dr. Martin Luther King was trained, into a crack infested four square miles, attested, my people arrested in the mind will not find peace until I uncover the truth of this here congestion with more than four governmental projects projected for destruction, corruption of the perfect location of buildings of old, but the truth untold. Can't remember the memories of the past? Oh no, they do not last because alas, what have you done? See, this is a poem, a poem about him, you know the man. This is about his system, his justice system, just his system for him. Systematic, programmatic, dogmatic, shackles of the mind, dogmatic, just his system according to his story. See, he wasn't even enough to see that what it was named and how it was famed was rule and claim. exactly what it is, his story, a lie. Because other things do exist Because we did resist Because it didn't happen that way Seize the day I will not be part of that system And the law, that's me But I refuse to be his attorney Attorney means license to practice No justice, no peace, Time to release the truth lawyer roll call y'all randall humble man of peace refused to eat for a while warm smile next to me you ate your meal for mandela made a deal all the while kept it real harvard trained revolution gained refused to practice in the traditional sense no coincidence jesse i remember the day i stumbled over my words to say thank you for coming to penn state on that day to give hope and that was great across my path they came no need to blame coincidence it only makes sense See, it was meant to show me the way, the way that I went, my time and my money spent so that I could see and know the law, y'all. Compare it to God's law, y'all. I'm a lawyer, as inscribed, no time to bribe, not part of man's plan, but part of God's hand, his holy plan. See, Jesus spoke prophetic things, riddled up the spiritual mind. He spoke against the establishment, established hell bent on lies. He wanted no part of that establishment of hypocrites, of. Pharisees of Sadducees, you Sadducees, Sad you see the hypocrisy
2: The time has come for us to learn, to analyze and scrutinize the things that we have conveniently come to believe as factual through repetition from what is actually the real truth. We have somehow been led to slaughter by our refusing to ask the questions that would hopefully make sense of the rhetoric, if indeed the rhetoric made any sense at all. We have our suspicions for good reason. So often we find it easier to go along, to get along, rather than ask the questions that would lead us to the truth. Have we grown so accustomed to being lied to that the lie has become the thing that we desire? Have we lost our taste over the years for what is real and factual because we would rather be entertained than informed? How is it that we would rather focus on one tiny fragment of the aftermath than the root source? and the cause. What then stops us from opening the debate that would bring about the key changes needed to break the cycle of injustice? Have we been made to feel powerless or are we just unconcerned? What will it take to wake up America? In this age of information technology, there's more usable, factual resources available to the average individual through the internet that could have ever been available to the most learned scholar just 15 years ago. But we still choose to be spoon-fed rather than research, debate, and digest the truth for ourselves. Now we find that we are so brainwashed that our attention now locksteps to the next scandalous, exaggerated, emotion-driven headline while the truth sits unnoticed in plain sight yet another day. Well, I for one will not be a part of this brainwashing of the masses, this decline in intellect, this surrender of conscience. So where do you stand in the scheme of things? Free thinker with a mindset to seek out and devour the truth? Or just another cog in the wheel of blind complacency? Well, of course the choice is yours. But as for me... No matter how much garbage you try to heap in my direction, I will always maintain a healthy appetite for a measure of truth. Well, we just come to the end of another great show. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardeman. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily. your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.
1: We got something to say. Shut. <laughs> sure. But uh, not this station right here. We don't just got something to say, y'all. We got the truth.